Lions fans. This is the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where the Kool-Aid runs blue. Faces turn red. And rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys who always podcast pants free. Chris and the Riz. Hey, hi, Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions Podcast. This is episode 421. This is what a focus of the Lions' third preseason game. This is the official Detroit Lions podcast for Reddit. I am your ever dashing host, Chris, and with me is my good friend and elementarily fine co-host Jeff the Riz Risden. How are you doing, brother? I think I'm okay with that introduction. I'm not not, not exactly <laughs> sure what's going on there. Yeah, it's it's good, man. It's we got we got one more exhibition game. We got college football going on right now as we record this, which is awesome. It's nice to have. Uh, Fresh things at work to talk about. It is. And uh, that, that makes me very happy. Oh, yeah. I, I I can only lay my bets when I travel for work or and I and I happen to go through Michigan this time. So I was just college betting like crazy. I'd forgotten until I got on the plane because I was so busy. So literally from takeoff till I got to the Ohio border, DraftKings is really good about cut, cutting this stuff off. I get to the Ohio border, they're like, you can't do it anymore. You're out of out of range or whatever. It was like, wow, okay. So I got my bets, most of my bets in, but we're ready. Got a lot today, a lot to talk about today's show. Got fantasy football is still live, but only for a very, very short time. Draft is coming up for that. If you want to get in, we'll talk about getting taking advantage of that. We'll also take a look ahead to the game against the Steelers, preseason game three, whoa, whoa, coming up. And we're going to answer your burning questions about the team. Team. A couple have come in. We might even take a couple phone calls. We'll see what goes on. And we'll discuss hard knocks because why not? We got that and a whole lot more. Great show lined up. Riz, are you ready to go, brother? I think you're frozen. Let's kick this off and break it down. <sighs> All right. So let's see if we can get Riz back. Okay, he's back. Riz is having a little bit of uh, interference yeah. on his internet, but he's uh, he may freeze up, but he looks good otherwise. You still yeah, we're, uh, we're I, I'm uh, I'm working through it as best as we can. So they are doing construction around our neighborhood. They're putting in new utilities, and uh, it's caused a lot of disruption. So if I go blank for a minute, um, I will try to get back as soon as possible, just so everybody knows that ahead of time. Don't worry, buddy. I got my backpack. We'll carry it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First, uh, Fab, what's up, brother? Yes, that was me in the ad. I was the one hanging one arm from a pull-up bar doing iron coals. That was. So we roll. Uh, <laughs> got a lot. Everyone out there, thank you. Jesse Miller, yes, it's a live show. Welcome to the welcome to the live, live fun. All right, fantasy football. Let's talk about it really quick. It's still live. We got till the end of the month, August 31st. That's it. And then fantasy is going to shut down for the draft on September 4th. It's a big season. We got a lot going on. Get over to fantasy.detroitlionspodcast.com. It's our fundraiser for the year. It's the one that we use to, to really kind of fund our operations and keep us doing all the normal stuff we do. Um, you, you can win money, you win uh, prizes, shirts, all that kind of stuff. Um, we're going to be rolling a couple of new shirts out here that you'll be able to choose from as well. I think you really like them. Uh, check it out. Fantasy.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Even if you if you just want to donate to the show, it's a fun way to do it, right? Everything we try to do, we try to make sure you get value back. So get on going with the uh, Fantasy.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Have some fun. All right. 
Riz, you're looking really good now. Let's talk about the uh, Steelers game. Let's preview this. We have, we're playing a team, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, just straight up, Mike Tomlin, I don't want to say he doesn't like, but when we signed Hank Fraley back um, last year, the before the season, Mike Tomlin was freaking angry. Right? And you can feel the heat when Tomlin's mad, right? He's he's a lot like me. You, Absolutely. I mean, you, you saw the other day or the other show when we had those those technical difficulties, the heat you could feel across the camera. I was so hot. My ears are still scorching. <laughs> but Tomlin's very much that way as well. When he's angry, you can you can warm your hands in a cold winter's day. Um, but we still got Hank. I don't know what kind of a grudge he's going to hold there. Uh, it is still a preseason game. No Jared Goff, but there's a lot still to break down and see. Let's uh, talk about what do you see as big items for for this game, and what should we be watching for, Riz? You know, I'm looking at the bottom of the roster, at the guys that are battling to make the 53, and the, there's there's a lot of them. There are still battles. There's undecided. So Dan this week came out and said that there are 8 to 10 roster spots that are open, and uh, I made a – somewhat feeble attempt at Lions Wire to figure out what those eight to 10 are. I have a very good idea of what five of them are. One of them is backup quarterback, and it sure feels like we're only keeping two. This is Tim Boyle's job to lose now because it was David Blau's job to lose. He, he kind of lost it. Uh, it was, was rough in Indy. I cannot tell you how bad he was Tuesday night at the, the last padded practice, which was very, it was a very intense practice. It was, it was, it was pretty gung-ho. Now, it was mostly first-team reps, but the difference between what Blau did and what Boyle did with the, the reserves, it, it was really bad for number 10. Like, they, they actually stopped a drill. And Justin Rogers and I were standing next to each other, and we're like, did they just, they just stop that? Because, I mean, he, he was so bad. Like, he could not hit anything. Just looked and, – and he walked off the field, and he knew it. Like, he knew that he, had, he was not feeling it. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you, so, there's, there's one thing I want people to, to follow along yeah. with on this is you have hard knocks, and we'll talk about hard knocks, but you have that kind of timeline that's that's rolling, and you're seeing players and the inside kind of scoop. But don't forget, it's delayed. I mean, they get right up to like within two days of what's what's happening, but there's things changing happening on the field, and there's all kinds of stuff beyond what you see on hard knocks that's happening that you're not seeing as well. And so it's it's it, some of these things may look, but I just saw Blau look great in the in the preseason game. What's 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 going on? Just just woe it back a little bit. I thought I thought he was rebounded. I thought he came in. Woe it back. It is the totality of their work that's being evaluated, and there's ebbs and flows in that. And I'll tell you, at the backup position, you know, while you say it's Tim's to lose and it used to be Blau's to lose, it almost feels like neither one is in a great position to win it. And um, that's a thing that's going to come up in, a, in one of our questions later. That's that's happened that we have. Yeah, it will. Yeah. So I'm looking at that. I'm looking at like backup linebacker, you know, Anthony Pittman versus Josh Woods versus Jared Davis. They're all fighting for one spot. We presume one spot anyways. Uh, you know, that it could, could be the last time we ever see Jared Davis in a Lions uniform. I think that's probably accurate. Yeah. Looking to see, you know, like like slot corner, like guys in the bubble. What, what's going to happen with the rookies like Chase Lucas, James Houston, um, who haven't actually shown a whole lot this summer? You know, backup running back is a huge one. You know, after Craig Reynolds, it sure seems like Godwin Igwe. Easy for me to say. I'm good with these names, too. Godwin Igwe Buike is on the team for his return skills. But do they keep a fifth running back, Justin Jackson, Jermar Jefferson, 
because Jason Kabinda is out for a little while. Little things like that. Does, does Logan Stenberg overtake Tommy Kramer for the the other interior reserve offensive line spot? Uh, the, the, look, it, Stenberg played a phenom- like phenomenal game. Like I, I thought I was watching Wyatt Teller or Zach Nelson out there. Like He was so, so good in Indy. And he backed it up again. Tuesday night, he was good in practice. And it, it's it's crazy to me because, like, literally every other practice I've been to for the last two years, he's been the worst lineman on the field. Like, obviously the worst lineman on the field. And I don't know what the hell got into him, but I like it. More of that, please. And, like, <laughs> he, you know, th- th- those are the fun battles that I want. That, look, if you're watching the preseason game for the, the last preseason game for wins and losses or, like, to, to get things out of your starters – you're not watching it right. This is all about the reserves, the bottom of the roster, practice squad stash guys. Um, don't be surprised if the Lions are looking at a couple of guys that are on the Steelers who aren't going to make that team to possibly you know poach for a practice squad and vice versa. Now, the, the Steelers' offensive line, you were talking about Hank earlier, they're not good. No, <laughs> they, they don't have Logan no Stenberg would be much higher on their depth chart than he is in Detroit. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and- Ezi. No chance of making it in Detroit. He might not even be on the practice squad here. Yep. In Pittsburgh, he's their number four tackle. Like, no question about it. So, that, that, that's that's some of the things that I'm looking at. Yep. And we're looking here uh, in just three days as we record this on the 30th. The big piece is the cut to 53. And it's, it's, it's hard, man. It's hard because there's a lot of guys who are going to lose jobs. This is the fight to make it to that 53 last year. I mean, I, it was one of my most endearing lions moments, I think was uh, celebrating with Jerry Jacobs, making the 53 man roster. That was, that was great, man. He, cause you know, he was considered a bubble guy at the time. And, and when we, he was so happy, I mean, I was happy. It was great. It was great to be there for that with him and, uh, and watch that happen. That's, that's great. But I mean, the other side of it, and we're going to see it this year with hard knocks, cause they're going to show it. The guys that didn't make it, the guys that you feel like you really wanted to make it, and uh, and couldn't couldn't make the cut. It's it's hard, and everyone's going to tell you. It really is. Yeah, everyone's going to tell you. Hey, these are guys' jobs we're talking about. They always do this time of year, and then they forget about it two weeks later when players come and go and get cut, and they, and they talk, you know, differently throughout the season. But it is absolutely a lot of people who've worked their whole lives to get to this point, and this very well may be the the peak of their their playing careers, and they have to move on from there. So. Wish him the best. Steve Shattuck, do you think Barnes has improved, Riz? And thank you for the super chat, Steve. Uh, Yeah, thanks for the super chat. Yes, from the first preseason game where he was probably the worst Lions defender on the field, and there were other candidates. Look, he was phenomenal in Indianapolis. He did exactly what Kelvin Shepard wants him to do in the middle of the defense. He attacked the run. He was disciplined to not overrun his gap. He shed blocks when he needed to. He dropped without just like running willy nilly in coverage. He like had purpose to where he was going, paid attention to what was going on around him. And he, he had a great practice Tuesday night. He had, a, from what I understand, I wasn't there last night on, on Thursday's practice, but he had a good one then too, from, from all accounts. So I'm, I'm feeling the, the, I'm feeling the, the improvement with him. Like he's a guy there are times when you look at him and you're like, I, I don't know what's going on there. Like, why, why isn't he better? And then you see when he's better and you're like, Oh yeah, this is, this is nice. And he's been pretty consistently better over the last 10 to 12 days. And that's been, 
been very refreshing. And I hope that that carries forward. Look, is he, is he a guy that I'm relying on to, you know, be an impact talent? Probably not, but yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a lot better about him now than I did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that's what we're looking for. We are sorting the roster to what we can do with it. Uh, and who's going to make that, that 53 against the Steelers. It's a, it's a fun team to, to go. Into. I really like Mike Tomlin. I mean, I wish, I don't want to say I wish he was my coach. Um, I did before we got Campbell. I loved the heat that he brings and the passion that he brings to the game. He's, he's, I just, I, there's something about that guy that I just really, really, really like. Like, and he he gives no fucks, right? He was rolling around on at, at Senior Bowl this year with Malik, right? You you saw him like he just pushed past the Lions coaches to get up on the field and like like he's in there. He's like he don't. <laughs> it was great. I I just love his no fucks to give personality. I I like Mike. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Mike Tomlin fan. I think he's consistently gotten the talent on his roster to overachieve for years and. uh like, like on paper, they're the worst team in the AFC North. Um, and it's not even really all that close. Uh, but the fact that like a lot of people are picking them to come in second or third, that that's Mike Tomlin right there. Yeah. That, that's, that's the best attribute you can give him is the fact that people are so high on a, a roster. That's one of the probably three or four worst in the AFC from top to bottom. Um, and they're still considered a playoff team. Why? Because of their coach. Yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. He can turn that that team into just about anything. All right, we're gonna get into some questions. Um, there was a lot of questions, and I have to apologize to Riz publicly. I did privately, but my week this week, for, I traveled for work. That's why we're doing these on Saturdays. Um, and just so everybody knows, we're moving back to Wednesday this week. So good time, party time. Uh, right, we are Riz. We haven't talked about that. We're back. Okay, back to our Wednesday shows. Good, I'm good with that. <laughs> Um, I literally had no free time. I got I, I forced my way out of work to watch Hard Knocks, and then as soon as it was over, I I passed out for sleep because I was deprived. I'm I got an app. I'm like at a 26 percent sleep debt. It's just a mess. I didn't even know that Riz had that video done and sent to me until like I was on the plane on the way home. I, and it was just it was just a mess. So we're gonna go through some of those questions that came up from his. Um, his chat. There's a yeah. couple things that so, happened this week. Yeah, for those about. of you who sent him in, um, I did record it on Monday night. Um, I might actually post it on my own YouTube channel just for for giggles and throw it into the Patreon Slack channel. We'll there see. You there you go. All right. So there's a he's got a, there's a bunch of questions that came from that. So that's some good stuff. We'll we'll probably take some phone call questions too if you guys have a couple that you want to share. We'll do that in a, in a few. But um, I want to start out with one that. I just, I don't know if I'm reading too many YouTube comments, too many Reddit comments or what, but the reaction to the Lions having a player run practice, it was, it was like overwhelmingly negative. And I, and I, and I just, I, I, it blew my mind. It's like, do you people even know what's like, have you even paid any attention to what this front office and this coaching staff is doing? And as Riz contemplated, I, I didn't, I mean, like, I saw I saw some negative stuff. Um, my my interactions are primarily Twitter um, and our Slack channel, and most of that was like there's a little like a little bit of concern, but overall it was pretty positive. Like it, and and I'll I'll share my view of it. I think it's great. I think it I think that it reinforces that Dan Campbell to his players is saying, Hey, I trust you. You've earned my respect. You've earned this from me, the responsibility. Like, I believe that you can handle this. I don't think you're going to abuse it. And that's like, that's critical. That that's, that's what he is all about. 
Like if you're not down with, with what he did there, you're not down with Dan Campbell because that's like, that's the pinnacle of his approach. Like he wants his players to have that sense of empowerment, not entitlement, empowerment. And like the, the fact that they did it. And then you saw the clip from the next hard knocks I posted on lions wire the other day. Like it, like the players at first were like, really? And then you saw them like they got to work and like, they're getting on each other. Like Tracy Walker, you know, uh, Jared Goff, TJ Hawkinson, they're, they're getting on their guys. Just like, just like you see the coaches do. Yep. And yep. to see that it, it, it's, it's a manifestation of everything that Dan Campbell wants this Lions team to be. And if you think that's a negative, you, you definitely are not paying attention and you are not a Dan Campbell type of person. And that like, if, if that's the case, you're probably not going to like this team for the next few years because he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I'll talk about it from a similar perspective. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. And cause you know, I love to, 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 to throw a couple of jabs at the media on this one. Um, when, when they first came in and all the questions about who's leading the team is Rod Wood making football decisions. Who's in charge. Oh my God. Like the, 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 the pearl clutching squealing and just dying for an ang- a negative angle that across the board. Turn the radio off, please. Across the board <laughs> in the media. It was nuts because nobody got it and nobody it saw it. And then now you're seeing this, it, it, you know, everybody, it's, it's, it's by a group, but who's making the decisions, right? Now you're seeing that come to fruition all the way from top to bottom of the organization. What you're seeing is anybody can be a leader. The best ideas will rise to the top. People who submit those and bring those ideas forward will do that. You look at you know the idea of um, inoculating the team against coaching changes. We talk about Deuce could go. Aaron Glenn could go. They could be going somewhere else. Well, if you have ownership as a player base, instead of giving all the ownership to the coach, you're not going to rely on the specific coach as a person. You're relying on the coaching qualities that they bring, but you also have yourselves leadership built within the ranks of the players. So the coach, and that's one of the things about player coaches, in a way, the coaches are one of them. The coaches are absolutely the ones that are going to bring them up to speed, but I guarantee they're coaching each other too. Iron sharpens iron. That whole idea, that's the players coaching each other, getting each other better. It is everybody working together to improve the whole here, and that's what you're seeing, and that's what a, a player-run practice is all about. It's about trust. It's about leadership. It's about you know iron sharpens iron, and it's about giving players – an opportunity to be player coaches instead of former player coaches. It's 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 a from the the you know the rookie all the way through the owner a, a almost I don't want to say a career path but a succession path and a communication path and an idea path for how this team is work how this team works from top to bottom. I I thought it was brilliant and the people that were flipping out I just I just couldn't I just couldn't understand it I couldn't even like fathom that kind of concept of oh that's ter-. they don't they, you know they've, either they've given up or it's terrible because they don't know you know players running it or is is just going to wreck them they're not going to get better and it's like one practice I just wow sorry that was nuts that was nuts yeah and so so a couple of things that just in context with it was the first practice after a game it was uh, by design an abbreviated practice there were no pads they were going to go light it was going to be a light day anyways it wasn't like they were you know, going to be out there having Oklahoma drills or anything like that or, or intense one-on-one things. 
It was much more of a let's react to what we didn't do well last night. We'll go through it at walkthrough speed and and see like like what the players saw. One of the one of the things that I loved about it, um, and I, I was made abreast of this by somebody who was at the practice, um, not a coach by the way, was that the players were like re, they were they were like and it, it, it was Will Harris who was doing it, and Will Harris was telling the other cornerbacks like. Hey, on this play, we saw this in the film room. Like, I saw you open up a little bit early on this rep. And, like, if you stay a little bit more patient, then he demonstrated it. Like, that that doesn't – like, yeah, you can do that kind of stuff, and you can do it in the film room, and you can do it with Aubrey Pleasant there. But the fact that it's coming then, it, it seems like it's so much more organic. Like, and, and like – Look, Will Harris, look, I have, I've crapped on that dude for a long time. He's making the team and he's an asset. And that makes me very, very happy. And then like, like you talked about, I, I can absolutely see that guy being a coach when he hangs him up. Yeah. He's got that kind of personality. He's got that kind of intelligence and, and presence to him. Yep. And this is a step in that direction. You know, maybe, maybe it gets a guy thinking like, Hey, you know what? Maybe I can be the next Kelvin Shepard, you know, Jared Davis, look at you. Um, Maybe maybe I can be the next Aubrey Pleasant. Maybe I can be the next Hank Fraley Um, as a guy who, you know, Hank, look, when Hank played, Hank was one of those guys, you never knew he was on the team, but you knew that the the, the team was in good shape with him. He he was just that that was the kind of guy that he was, was, you know, very inauspicious, really good at what he did, but quiet in in his nature about it and, and going about things. There's a couple of guys on this line's offensive line who can follow in those footsteps. And, uh, you know, it, it, for me, look, the only downside is if they come out in week one and are unprepared. Um, look, tonight or t- t- tonight, tomorrow night, I wish the game was tonight, tomorrow <laughs> afternoon when they play Pittsburgh, 430 Eastern time in uh, whatever the hell they're calling Pittsburgh Stadium. Now, it will it will always be Heinz Field to me. Um, like, I'm, I'm not I'm not worried if they're prepared for that game. When Philly comes to town and they look flat or they look um, unprepared for what the Eagles are doing or having communication gaffes that you haven't seen before um, earlier in the preseason, then yes, then you can point back to that, that player-led practice thing. Maybe that was a poor idea, but I'll tell you, I really don't think that's going to happen. I'll tell you, what happens if you have a player-run practice and they do an Oklahoma drill? Do the players get fined or does the organization get fined? Like if you bring well, apparently you can, anything can go in practice because Aaron Donald whipped two Bengals over the head with their own helmets and didn't get in trouble for it. I'm That's done. bullshit, by the way. That is absolute bullshit. And if the Rams don't do something about that, then the league, the, first off, they owe Miles Garrett an apology. And secondly, they are just like saying, hey, whatever goes in practice, you know, you can you can do a little last Boy Scout thing, pull out a gun and shoot the guy on your punt return. Yeah. Um, the, the, do something, Goodell. Earn your freaking salary. That that, that, bother, that bothers me a lot that nothing's going to happen to him for that. Swinging a helmet a like that is so fucking dangerous. It is so dangerous. I, I, I don't like Aaron Donald. I don't like him at all. I, I really, really dislike he's you know, you know he's a little chippy and dirty and you know how he that that really I, I did not like that at all. And the fact that nothing will come of that because it's the Rams That's choice. Horrible. Right? That's just just it's crazy. Because because the practices aren't technically under the auspices of the the NFL, they are the team's responsibility. But if Aaron Donald um, wasn't at an I, NFL practice, if he did something like that anywhere else, he could be arrested for it. No, it's nope. assault. Well, I mean, trust me, I, I went through this whole thing with Miles Garrett a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like what Miles did, 
It was wrong, and he deserved to be punished for it. That that that's like, and and I, I, I actually I'll give the NFL. I think they got that one right. He missed six games. Um, he was clearly contrite about it. Some of the Steelers players were not necessarily backing him, but also not necessarily backing Mason Rudolph either. Like he might have might have said something that provoked it. Look, I don't know what started this one. I don't. I didn't think it was actually Miles Gar- or um, Aaron Donald that was involved in the initial fracas. He was like the second guy in. That kind of makes it worse in my. And, and then he's got a helmet in each hand. Right? Somebody posted me yeah. like he's like the ultimate boss if you're playing an NFL video game. <laughs> like, this is what you have to beat at the end. To get through. Turn into giant. That was brilliant. But like, like there's a picture. Um, Bengals Wire did a great thing of it where they like Zapruder filmed it down. You can see the give on the helmet and how much impact is going in with that like that's dangerous as fuck man how can you not punish that i have no idea i don't get it no i have no idea all right so that's uh that's it on the player run practice that went a long way i mean I, there could be like a turn it into maracas it could be a that didn't game. happen in a player run practice let me tell you uh, that nope give me a jib jab meme <laughs> all right hey i do also want to say thanks to our latest subscriber, Mr. Smokey Hog 777. Uh, please hit the like, hit the subscribe button. We appreciate when you do that. It means a lot to us and it helps other folks find the show, especially here ahead of the the uh, season. Like, subscribe, do those things. We've got, what is it, 150 people and less than a quarter likes. Appreciate if you'd hit that for us. Thank you. All right, let's get into this. Why won't... The inside linebacker group make the front seven and the back seven a horrible mess. And this is a good one, Riz, because you've always been very much about, and and, I, I, and I'm not going to say wrong, and I'm not saying you're on an island here, but very much about the fact that the linebackers aren't as important in this team uh, as a position overall. But why is it with this group being such a lower priority and with the players that are there, why is it that it won't make the front and the back seven affect them in a negative way? You know, it is it, a good question, and it does to some extent, and I think it impacts the guys behind them more than it impacts the guys in front of them, uh, specifically the safeties. And I will, I will tell you, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll say the answer that I said to this, and I believe that it was Jeff who asked the question uh, in the Patreon Slack. I'm, I'm, I'm more than a little bit more worried about the safeties than I am the linebackers on this team. And some of that's the depth, like Tracy Walker. I love the guy. No problem. Like he's, he's going to, he's going to be good. Um, Deshaun Elliott will be fine. If he could stay on the field, he's never been able to do that. Even going back to Texas, Kirby Joseph, he ain't ready. <laughs> CJ Moore still just got out of a walking boot. Like they got issues at safety. If they want to play more than if he's still not playing yep. like the, the, my concerns are there because that is the important position in the back end of the defense right now, but that, that playmaking safety, uh, if something happens to Tracy, they're screwed. Fetu um, linebackers, look, they're they're going to be fine on what they do, um, what they're asked to do. They are asked to reliably terminate runs between the hash, between where the slot receiver is on one side and the tight end on the other. That's, that's really their only job in the run game is to do that. Like, just make the tackle. The closer to the line of scrimmage, the better. And from what we've seen, Rodrigo is going to make those pretty close to the line of scrimmage. Anzalone is going to be a little bit back further, but I think Anzalone actually has better range um, getting out to the side a little bit more and, and also pushing if the run goes further outside. He definitely has better range. And I will tell you, I saw it in person the other night, Tuesday night. He ran past Rodrigo in pursuit, and they were both going full speed, and Anzalone ran past him 
So don't dog Anzalone's speed. Like there's a lot of things that you can not like about him, but don't say he's not athletic because that's then then you're showing your ignorance. Uh, that, look, the, the coverage that that's going to be a problem. Um, it was a problem in Indianapolis. Indianapolis loves to run the the crossing routes, moving receivers across the field at different layers. Yep. That's not that that's going to be a problem. Like that, no doubt about it. Has it has been for but years. That's not just the Lions that are going to have that problem. The Colts' own defense has problems with that. Uh, if you watch the Bears preseason games, they literally don't know what's going on when that's when that's happening. They got Rokon Smith. Like it, it, it's 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 difficult because the linebackers do need to play better, more consistently for this defense to work. But I don't think they're nearly as bad as what they're being made out to be by a lot of the fans. And I will tell you, when I talk with other people who cover other teams, they're like. Oh, they're they're not that bad, are they? Like, no, like the Colts people were like, I, I don't know why you guys are bugging like about your line. Like, they're they're okay. Like, they they they, they actually make comments about the quarterbacks, which kind of makes sense too, based on on what happened in Indianapolis and the joint practices and the game. Uh, I the, and then I'll I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll let that I'll let that rest, but. Uh, I am not nearly as concerned about the linebackers as most people. And I would encourage people to realize that you've got to be bad somewhere. Like you, you can't have stars everywhere. The best place to go white in, in an Aaron Glenn defense is at specifically weak side linebacker. And that's, that's Rodrigo. Like if, if you're dogging Rodrigo, you're probably not going to get too far in Lions land right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay. I'm looking something up really quick. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's uh very true. You were talking about, um, um, iffy, uh, if to Malifanwu, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm a little nervous just, <laughs> by, about yeah. the, the, uh, the, the injury on him. This is now another injury and we hear a lot about Anzarike, right? And of course the line is important. But uh, Malfano has been um, he's been injured a lot here and I'm getting to start to worry. Um, I'd like to see him get a little bit more time on the field because his brother didn't perform. Right. That was the big knock on him. If he seems like he can perform, but he doesn't has he's missing the one ability of availability. And that's that's starting to worry me. I mean, when he comes back, I just I really, really want to see him play the vast majority, if not the whole season. Yeah, and so he is the third safety. He is the guy who is going to play the slot in heavy situations. It's like when there's, when a tight end gets flexed out. Um, if, if you're playing against the Lions, you're going to have that guy on the field instead of a smaller slot corner because TJ Hawkinson is your, your weapon there. So, like, when they play um, – Dallas has as an example of a team that has a good receiving tight end. They have a couple of them um, that they're kind of slept on, but – um, th- th- that's that's where if he's going to play, he's going to replace AJ Parker or Jerry in the slot against bigger guys or teams when they go um, and they have two backs in the backfield and three wide receivers like that. That that's his role, um, and that's that's sort of their 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 meshing. You know, it, it's a four two five, but the five isn't necessarily just a cornerback or just a safety. It's going to depend on who's on the field for the offense, and that. He's the guy who would be the safety in that position, or at least that's that's the plan. I don't know if they can go through that plan now because he's missed so much time. And yeah, I'm I'm more than a little concerned about it myself too. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, we'll get into the next one. Um, good question here. Does Justin Jackson do anything on special teams? How is his pass protection? Could he be, or he could be, a number three running back because he's got a better stylistic replacement for Swift than Reynolds does, than Craig Reynolds. Um, Justin Jackson, he was he, he played well with the, the Chargers before the Lions, I mean, as, as in that kind of a role. What do you think? Where does, he, where does he land, and does he give a special teams help? He's got to show it. That, that's one of the things that you're going to be watching on Sunday when you when the team plays the Steelers because he is absolutely on the bubble. Um, Craig Reynolds is very safe as the number three. There's no question about that. And Godwin Agu Awike, because he is the primary kick returner, Dan confirmed that this week, has got number four. The question is, is not if Jackson is number five, because he is he's he's way ahead of Jamar Jefferson. Jamar Jefferson has no chance of making this team. Sorry. Um, he just doesn't. He hasn't he hasn't played to it. Man. Jackson came in off the street and after two practices was clearly better. Clearly better at everything, pass protection and special teams included. So does he have a chance if they keep five running backs, he's the fifth. But it's also one of those things where, like, if they keep five running backs, it's a pretty easy spot to see, like, if they claim a defensive tackle or uh, an offensive lineman or a safety from another team. They're like, oh, ah, there you go. Um, you remember last year you were talking about Jerry when he made the team. I was so I was mortified for Jerry that he was going to make that initial 53. They're going to claim somebody and then whack him. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God that didn't happen. But, yeah, like, uh, I, that's why I didn't get too excited when he made it because I'm like, ah, I, I need to see that next wave to, to make sure that he did it. Yeah, uh, that's uh, he's got a shot. Uh, his his speed and his ability to, to make tacklers miss outside is that makes him the natural backup for Swift. Absolutely, because Craig Reynolds can't do that. Craig Reynolds is between the tackles guy, and J- Jamal is sort of a jack of all trades. Like when, if you're looking for that that home run hitting outside zone guy. That, that's that's Jackson. Like that's your guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but do they have a place for that on the roster? I don't know. Like I, 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 in my last projection, I didn't have him making it. But like, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, good, quick question back to the last one. Ravens safety Chuck Clark has requested a trade. Any interest, Jeff? Absolutely. Um, I'm sure Brian Duker has an interest too. Our safety coach, he coached him. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Baltimore. They're, they're weird with their contracts. Like you got the Lamar Jackson thing going on. Um, Somebody else on that team's angling for more money and they're like not even talking to him too. And I can't think of who it is off the top of my head, but like it's their, their bookkeeping process leads a lot of players to be disgruntled, but I, I don't think Chuck Clark's like that. That's a playoff team. I can't see them getting rid of a guy Who's going to play a a? He's not going to be like their 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 key role, but he's 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 there. They need him. Like I can't see them getting rid of him for something. Um, maybe, maybe that's like where you would flip. Like if you're going to trade, I don't know, trade Logan Stenberg and and James Houston to them um, for for him. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. But that, that doesn't seem all that plausible to me. I, I think this is more of a case of somebody get trying to get some money out of an organization that doesn't like to give it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. All right. Uh, thanks for the subscription, BJ Cooper. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining in and uh, hanging with us. Colts fan in the house. That's good. After what happened between the Colts and the Lions, and then uh, to not be uptight about it. That's cool as a fan. That's awesome. And uh, love to have you uh, aboard. It's 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 a fun ride. The Campbell train is a is a, is a fun train to, to to jump on. 
Um, let's get on. Wolf fans always welcome here. Um, for those of you who don't know, I live like halfway between the Colts practice facility and the Lions practice facility. If like if you go straight up US thirty one, I can literally go. I can get to the Colts training facility. I drive one mile to my west, turn left, and go straight for two hundred and twenty five miles, and I'm there. <laughs> it's, it's that easy. And it's that part of Detroit going the other way. Yep. Uh, I can actually get to Indianapolis quicker because of Michigan's traffic issues that we've got construction mm-hmm. going on right now. So uh, add the Colts all Colts are always welcome. Add the Colts <laughs> wire to the, to the, the, the list of work for Riz to do. Uh, all right. And speaking of the Colts, we have a question about the Colts here. Um, if the Colts only keep two quarterbacks in the roster, would you claim Sam Ellinger? Ehl- not a hard Ellinger. Name. I know it's not a it's the eh and I'm reading it. And I'm just dumb. Sam Ellinger from them. <laughs> just like day. So I was traveling yesterday. I was so brain dead after this week. Right, I'm wearing a Gator shirt, and uh, uh, I'm getting on the plane from Detroit d- down to Tampa, and a woman looks at me, and goes, "Hey, go Gators!" And I'm just so dumb. I'm like, "Thank you." Like I had no answer for it. It's so stupid. I know. I was like, thank you. (laughs) And then uh, I was like cruising down Detroit because I had a layover Detroit. Um, I got my Detroit Lions podcast bag with a sweet logo on it. You can check out DetroitLionsPodcast.com slash store. Great stuff. It's a a roller suitcase. It's cabin size. It's absolutely perfect for your carry-ons. It's got the... um, the triangular, I forget the word, <laughs> Lions logo on. It's really, really cool. Lady looks at me, says, "Oh, nice bag." It says, I'm, "I'm wheeling it." I'm like, "I'm like, oh, like <laughs> no, like I was so freaking stupid." Okay, anyway, sorry. If the Colts only keep two cornerbacks on their roster, would you claim Sam Ellinger from them? He seems like he might be an upgrade over our. Uh, two current backups. That's a really interesting question because Boyle and Blau bouncing back and forth, fighting to give up the spot if they could. Where do you think Sam fits there? I would take him. Uh, I think he's better than David Blau and is a similar type of player as David Blau. I I think he's got a better arm. He's certainly more mobile. He can make things happen outside the pocket. He might make things happen for the defense outside the pocket, too. That's that's been the knock on going back to Texas. Like, he doesn't always make the best decisions. But, uh, yeah, if you're looking for a younger quarterback to to groom or at least have on the roster with some more upside than what the the two that they've got, yeah, absolutely, I'd bring him in. I I wouldn't hesitate to do that at all. Um, The the thing is, if you claim him off waivers, you got to put him on the 53 I don't think he would be one of the 53 best people in Detroit. So I would wait till after like the waiver claim period is gone and then sign him to the practice squad and, and protect him and keep him there as long as you can and, and work with him and see what, see what you got in him. Yeah. Um, then maybe you don't need to bring in two new quarterbacks next offseason because <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, if they bring both Blau and Boyle back next year after their free agents again, um, some furs go fly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. We got uh, one for Chris and Jeff. Any chance Lions sign Malcolm Brown or trade for Darren Payne? Duran. Duran Payne. Um, I don't think Washington's trading Duran. I just don't. Uh, they, especially with Chase Young going to be out for a little while. They, they need all the bodies they can get. Um, by the way, Chase Young will not play against the Lions in week two. Um, that's uh, He's on their PUP reserve list. So that, that sucks for, for the commanders, but... Good for Detroit. Flush the commodes. <laughs> Very good for Panay Sewell because he's the kind of guy that gives Panay trouble 
because he can he can win inside in one step. Yep. And that's where Hutchinson beats the crap out of Panay in every practice. Yep. That's where guys gave Panay trouble last year. Like if you can get to his inside shoulder in one step, Panay cannot stop you. That's one of the reasons why he plays right tackle instead of left tackle, because most right tackle, most guys who rush from that side don't have that kind of quickness. Chase Young does. Hutchinson does, and that that that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, not many other guys. T.J. Watt can do it. Um, he's not going to play tomorrow, so you don't have to worry about that one. Um, <laughs> I, I'd be aghast if I were a Steelers fan and T.J. Watt playing that game. <laughs> that way, um, because their their defensive front is their team. Like I, I, I'm, I crap on the Steelers roster. Their defensive front is legit. Like they're really really good. They can wreck some. They can wreck some lives with that front. Uh, so, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to come down too hard on Pittsburgh. But yeah, I. Uh, Brown is interesting. He's better than anybody that they've got. He's better than Isaiah Bugs, who right now is the one. So, okay, so here's the here's the opening. We'll set it up. Aleem is the starting nose tackle. Michael Brockers is your starting three technique, but they're going to flop back and forth too. Like Brockers has played some nose. They're using Aleem a lot more at the three, four T position than we've seen. Um, and in practice, that's where he plays almost exclusively. The backup right now, the first one is Isaiah Bugs because Levi is hurt and Paschal is hurt. Uh, and so, and Bugs has, has stepped up. Like he's played better lately. Then after him, it's Jay Sean Cornell, who started out really well and has fallen off yeah. quite a bit. And Demetrius Taylor, and dude, I love sawed off, but he's like he's maxed out 295 and he cannot anchor against anybody. Um, Evan Brown is not a people mover of a center and he moves Demetrius Taylor. So like Taylor's fantastic as like your reserve, like gap agitator type nose tackle, mm-hmm. but he's not like, if you're playing him in your run defense, your run defense isn't going to be good, especially when your linebackers are relying on the guys in front of them to keep them clean. Um, that, that's not Demetrius Taylor at all. And Malcolm Brown can be that guy. Brown's what? 325. He's played in the Saints system before. Uh, he knows Aaron Glenn. Um, I was told reliably that Aaron Glenn is the only reason he's considering Detroit um, specifically uh, because he he, want, he would be very interested in playing for AG after he got cut by Jacksonville. I wouldn't hesitate to sign him. Like I would bring him in and see what he can do. The fact that they haven't done it yet tells me that they're probably waiting to do it until after the first week. Um, that has some contractual um, vesting and and that sort of thing implications as well. And they very well might already have an agreement to sign him and we don't know about it. And then you'll see him come in after the cuts are made down. Um, and then they like, they'll put, they'll put Levi on IR or they'll put Iffy on IR or they'll put somebody on IR that isn't there now. Um, they'll do the little trick where you, you, you put, because if you put them on IR before cut downs, they're gone for the year. If you get them through the first day, you can put them on IR then, and they're only out for four weeks. That, that that's, a, that's a little gimmick that the NFL's caught on to. Um, the, the, the Lions actually did it with their kicker last year. They didn't have a kicker. Remember when they did the initial cutdowns, they cut both their kickers? Yep, yep. And people were like, what? <laughs> um, no, there's method to that madness. And that, that's the kind of thing that they can do this year and get a guy like Malcolm Brown to come in. Yep, yep. there you go. All right, um, really quick. Uh, in the chat and on how you doing, but uh, didn't we get the inside scoop on Jerry yet? Um, haven't. And if, if any anyone who came to the the podcast party, the training camp party, the annual blast that we do, um, he looked great. 
He looked fantastic. Good. I mean, what I the one thing I like about this team is they aren't rushing guys. I mean, look, JMO is a great example. They're not rushing guys back into the, the line of fire. I'm not worried about Jerry. I'll I'll talk to him. I got a list of people I have to talk to. I, I've I've missed out on a week of stuff, but I mean, we have so much stuff lined up this season for the show and some of the the stuff we're going to do. You guys are going to love the post game. I mean, we got some really big big stuff coming um if you want to help we talk about the 4k thing um the super chat we're using that and also if you're watching after it's live there's the super thanks underneath the thing um anything you can do uh we appreciate it we're um i think we can tell you next week what we're doing but it's the first post game show you're gonna be stunned you just be stunned i'll tell you that um i know riz is getting a little blurry he's got uh construction in the area that's messing with his internet so it's in and out and uh we appreciate that uh appreciate that though uh okay you guys are talking about Hank a lot. Uh, we also hear about Aaron Glenn and Deuce Staley being upwardly mobile as coaches, potentially moving on somewhere else. Does Hank Fraley seem to be the type that wants to take on a bigger role as an offensive coordinator uh, to where we are at risk of losing him? Or does he seem to love coaching offensive line, and would he remain happy with that role? I can give a little bit on this. Yeah, so when, when, when this question was asked in the mailbag, I actually was like, this is probably a better question for Chris than it is for me. So, <laughs> so <laughs> Hank loves his guys. That group of guys that Hank has that has been put together and that he's working with, he absolutely loves them. There's a camaraderie. I mean, you talk about that, but um, there's a camaraderie amongst the players and Hank that is just incredible. Hank is really, really happy doing what he wanted to do. And I'll tell you, I mean, Tomlin's anger at not getting Hank, They there was a number, there was a piece of paper in Hank's hand that had Pittsburgh's logo at the top. And at the last second, the Lions came back with something for Hank, and, and Hank signed to stay in Detroit purposefully. He loves it. Um, it's, yeah, you see Anand very much in the chat. He, he loves raising his kids in Detroit. He doesn't want to move them. And frankly, I know at, at, at the age that his kids are, I wouldn't want to pull them out of school either. They're doing some great stuff, you know, all around town. They're, they're, they're very much into the, is part of the community. Um, so as far as like getting up and taking a, um, a lateral, I don't think that's what he wants to do. As far as absolutely loving his job. Absolutely. That's where he's at. I don't know that Hank is any, or any offensive line coach, kind of makes the jump directly to head coach or I mean, sorry, offensive coordinator. It's, it's just a, I mean, it's, it's happened and I can't think off the top of my head where it's happened, but I, I would feel that I would want that kind of uh, coach to take another offensive coaching position, position coaching role and excel at that, or at least do well at that to, to come up to the offensive coordinator. Um, he's doing a lot with the run game coordinator. I think that's, they gave him the run game coordinator as well as uh, the offensive line uh, uh, coordinator. Um, we'll see. I think his role is going to grow. I think he's really happy. And I think, before he starts getting the itch, we've got a couple of years with Hank as our offensive line coach uh, with the Lions. He, and, and frankly, they don't want him to go. They've got him. I mean, they love him. He's a, a distinct part of this team. And uh, I mean, seriously, if you're at work and you could bring your kid, if you saw it hard knocks with his kid running around talking smack with the guys and, and being part of that, who would want to leave that? Right? Who would want to pick up and just scramble the whole family's eggs 
in another town. They do it, and we're we're actually it's one of the things we're, we're well. I don't want to give anything away, but they talk about the moving coaches and stuff and what that means to the family and what the further effect is. People really quickly say, "Oh yeah, it's easy." They they coach are gone. It's it's easy. They'll just pick up and leave. Yeah, a lot of times coaches move because they have to. It's not often that you want to pick up your family, especially with the pressures of the NFL, and just throw them into the the mouths of. Um, I mean, look at Nagy. What happened to his kids in in Chicago? The whole thing, right? Who wants to to jump into the shark's mouth like that? You know what I mean? So there you go, Mike Tice. Thank you, Brandon. Tom Cable would be another one that didn't work out for anybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, did I miss anything there? Raise anything that you want to No, add the, only, the only thing I would say is that offensive line coaches, if you're a good one, like you can be that for forever. Yeah. Like, and then have that be a niche, and you'll get ex- Bill Callahan in Cleveland is a great example of it. He did climb up the ladder um, and quickly realized that he liked coaching offensive line better than he liked the pressures of everything else. There are, there are position coaches that just want to be position coaches. Paul Alexander, uh, who coached for the Bengals for several years. Uh, and it's now a frequent guest on, on Sirius X and NFL radio. You know, he's another guy. He got a chance to climb up a little bit above that. And he's like, no, nah, man, offensive line's where it's at. Like the, it's a, the offensive line is a very unusual niche for people. Like it's a different culture mm-hmm. in and amongst like its own little grouping in football. Yeah. And uh, Hank fits very well into that world. Does he fit into the world beyond that? He might. But he knows that he's good where he's at. And I don't, I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to push that. Like that's, I think he'd be perfectly happy coaching offensive line in Detroit or wherever, wherever his NFL travels might take him for 35 years and then calling it a, a career. Like yeah. I could absolutely see him doing that. And I think you nailed it. That, that's really it. it. It is that culture and that fit. And that's kind of what I was talking about. I'd like to see him in another role to do that. The other thing is Hank is not only very self-aware, but he's very aware about the capabilities of the people around him and who's 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 good at what they do. If he moves, I would trust it. I would trust Hank's decision if he wants to move upward into another role because he's a very good evaluators evaluator of others and himself. It's there's an awareness there that when when you look at him or hear him talk, you don't you don't understand just how friggin' smart he is at understanding the people around him and 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 what their strengths and their weaknesses and fits are. He's and and that probably goes into fitting the guys and finding the guys to fit into that five man group up front. But he's extended that beyond just like the capabilities of an offensive lineman. He's he's a real sharp cat. I'm just gonna tell you a real smart I, I love when he refers to himself as a teacher because that's that is absolutely what he's doing there. Yeah. Um I just looked it up. He's forty four years old. He's actually a little older than I thought he was. So maybe if his coaching biological clock gets ticking, maybe he'll look outside, but I I don't see that from Hank. I just don't. No, no. I Hank is I, I also see him as a guy who's it's a good question though. Who follows very this. important question. Yep. Yeah, he's he's a guy, and this again goes to that offensive line mindset. He's a guy that's about loyalty, you know, and and, and you know, playing through an injury that he did it right. He he's he's got expectations to to be there, give it all, and and put your heart, soul, and everything into what you're doing. So, there you go. Uh, it was Prince Steve, the guy that was before before Hank Fraley, um, the Prince, right? Ron Prince, not Ron Prince. Um, there was there was there was somebody in between there. Um, it was uh, Ron Prince, yes, was the, the offensive line coach uh, that scared Larry Warford away. Yeah. <laughs> there was somebody in between there, uh, and I can't think of who that was. Yeah. 
Um, none of the Patricia coaches are important to me anymore, other than Hank, who yeah. did come in. I just Patricia. saw. That, I just, that, that's yeah. I Patricia, by the way, think about ball. Patricia. Go, go check out Pride of Detroit and what Jeremy put up today of how Matt Patricia and their offense and how quickly Pat's Nation is really turning hard on Matt Patricia. Yeah. Well, it's, I, it's it's fun. I, would, I, I wish I would have written it. Jeremy beat me to it. He can have a glory on it. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's that's. That's just observational reporting because it yeah, is like it I, is. I saw someone talking about the uh, um, the the looking at his face. What was it? Uh, Patricia's face coaching the offense is just as catastrophic as his face was when he coached the Detroit Lions. I mean, they are just absolutely all up in Patricia. So you get what you get with that. So all right, moving on. Um, Julian, a little quick quick one about injury. Julian Aquora. Uh, Dan Campbell comes on and says he's hoping that he'll be back for Philly. He's probably got the best shot of all of them to be back, which is like cool. Would love to have him for Philly, but damn it, <laughs> why is the rest of them like? Uh, it's like I'm, ch- I'm, you know, I would push, and I don't know if I would really if I was in that role. But right now, my my heart says just push them all to play. I want to see them on the field. I want to see this team on the field. James yeah. Ready, just get him out there, damn it! But it's not the right thing to do. It's not the right thing. It's not. So Julian is, he has a lower leg injury. Non, it's not specific. And, and I will tell you, I saw him and watched him walk off the field uh, Tuesday night. I couldn't tell which leg was hurt. Like he doesn't have any wraps on anything. So I don't, I don't know what the injury was. He walks like just in general, he walks abnormally slow, like the fat old woman that you find at Meyer walking down the middle of the cart the aisle with her cart. And then she parks the cart on the left side to get something out of the right side. And you can't get through because her fat ass is in the way after she's already delayed you from walking past the Cheerios that long. Like that's his natural gait. So I'm, it's tough to tell, like if he's I'm favoring sensing, anything. I'm sensing someone's so, your Cheerios. <laughs> If you're in the shopping center, walk and you're getting something on the right side of the aisle, park your fucking cart on the right side of the fucking aisle. Don't block both sides. It's not hard, people. Fuck me. Massive pet peeve in my life. Worse than people leaving carts in the in the in the the parking lot. (laughs) Can hate that. Hate it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, Okora's. Teach your kids cart etiquette, folks. Do it. <laughs> all right. There was a gosh, Jeff. My God. Uh, all right. So, let's move on. We'll, we'll get past the, the grocery cart and we'll hopefully see yeah, Julian we're, back. We're hopeful that Julian is back. I, I would. I'm going to take Dan's word for it that he'll be ready for week one. I hope so. Um, two more weeks of rest. Remember, there is a, there's a week between tomorrow and the 11th um, whatever Labor Day weekend is I don't know the dates on it um, but they get that time off that should be enough for him to get back on the field the other guy the other guys who was specifically referring to are um, Levi O and Iffy and I will tell you I will be very surprised if we see Levi before the end of September just based on the snail's pace that's Dan's words at, at, on his back and hip recovery and it is both. That's something that we got confirmation on. It's not just his back. It's also his hip. And this is an injury that dates back to 2019. It's three years. That's not, that, that's not, doesn't sound like something's going to get fixed quickly. Um, I, I don't know if surgery is an option. I don't know if he will be put on IR before cut downs. It seems unlikely at this point. 
Uh, but it's not looking good for him. It really isn't. You've like, had enough of that shit. We've all had back. Like, you never had a back injury. You always have it. It might get better for a few days, but then it flares up. Mm-hmm. Um, like when you're angry at somebody in the, the mire and you stomp your foot hard because they're in your way and they don't get out of your way. And you're like, oh, I crashed yeah. that on the heel and I need more padding in my shoes. Like, yeah, it's it's not good. Yeah. Not good at all. All right. Tell you what, we got a call. Let's take a call and see what they uh, what they have to ask before we get into uh, the next big topic. Hey, caller, what's your name and how much have you had to drink? <laughs> hey, my name's Drew. I've had none. I'm actually driving at work right now. That so. makes that makes great sense. <laughs> um, I, I appreciate your the making yeah. the strong choice. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm a big fan of the show. I uh, uh, for months I I clean WalMarts. I clean the bathrooms overnight. We're a we're a vendor company. And every Wednesday, uh, I was like super psyched to go and pull up your guys' show and got me through the night. So thanks. Oh, um, man. Cool. Anyway, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my question is pretty simple. Uh, I wanted to know, my dad was at the Indianapolis Colts game last week, and he was telling me that uh, he, he was sitting way up top in the, in the bleachers, but he said that he could tell that Akuda um, was was defending his guy pretty good. Like he was he was close coverage and he was doing well. But I said, hey, was he doing better than the other guys? And he's like, I don't know. I I I wasn't really paying attention. So that's what I really wanted to know. Was I know Kuda's kind of working on what his way up the ranks. Um, seems to maybe have that second spot. Uh, maybe his to lose right now. But I want to know: is he doing better than Amani in practice? Or is Monty, Monty still the clear number one? Yeah. I will say, yeah. and just really quick, Riz, I know you have the, the direct answer to that, but I just the one thing I want to say about Okuda is his work ethic cannot be questioned. Um, he has been busting his ass start to finish out there and giving it his all since since day one since before when there was no pads the last day before pads him and cephas were banging hard as if they were wearing pads on the practice field okuda has no chill at all in in what he's doing and and i got it makes him so easy to root for just the soul and the heart this guy's putting into it. Now, I know that's not the question you asked, so I'll give it to Riz because he's been out there. He's watching him. Riz, what, what do you have? Is it like the direct answer? Yeah, so um, they're, they're different styles. Um, Okuda is better against the fast receivers because he's faster. Amani um, is good at what he does, but he's not a speedster. Amani um, is a little bit better in terms of staying – like in 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 between the receiver and the quarterback, he, he's better at that. Like, and he uses his length very well to play the ball. He's better in trail coverage like that. That that's kind of and the Lions do a pretty good job of using him in the way that he's best. Okuda was really he, Okuda was absolutely the best cornerback on the team through about the first ten days of camp. Like, not even question. He's cooled off a little bit. Um, you've seen him a couple of times um, get beat where he's still. His biggest issue that he had as a rookie was that he wasn't sure about, like, oh, okay, he's thinking too much is the long and the short of it. And you still see glimpses of that in practices. You saw a little bit of it in the Atlanta game. Like, he's he's not being as decisive as he needs to be. And when he does that, he's in trouble. 
Uh, and that's and, and you don't have that worry about Omani. So that's that's where Jeff is at. He's going to start. He's beating out Will Harris. Um, I know it's unofficial yet, but uh, and anybody who's been at camp will tell you that Okuda has been the better player. And I'll tell you, and he played very well, very well in Indianapolis. Uh, if you, I, I got a chance to watch the, the the game again a couple times. He was really really good. The one completion he allowed was one where the the Lions specifically wanted him to. That the, the pass to go there because the third and ten, it's six yards down the field. He's in perfect position to make the tackle right away, rather than give them a shot to make the, the, a bigger play down the field. And, and Jeff wrapped him up instantly, like no chance. And that, that's that, that that's perfect defense. Um, people are gonna be like, oh, why did he give up the completion? Well, it's kind of what they wanted there. It also bled the clock at a time where they were looking to get rid of more more clock. So uh, the people who are like uh, aghast that he gave up completion, like get over yourselves, learn some football. Well, um, it was a fantastic play. He had a great game, and he he's clearly number two. Will is going to play, uh, and I think you're going to see them, especially when there's more speed on the other side. You might actually see Amani come off the field and Will Harris and Jeff Okuda to be the outside guys because Amani has struggled a lot with speed. Um, it's very notable when DJ Sharks on the field in practice, like he he cannot cover him. Um, now, that's going to be a problem for a lot of people. That's not just specific to Amani, but Amani, he doesn't, Amani, and this is sort of true of Jeff, actually. They don't have that, like, extra gear that you see. Jerry has it. If you watch Jerry play, like, it, like if a receiver is starting to get the better of him, he can accelerate and has that, like, adrenaline boost, um, turbo button, whatever it is in Madden. <laughs> like, Amani doesn't have that. Jeff doesn't have that either. Yeah. So, that like, the, it's... My, my and I've said this. I said this on a radio program I was on last night um, on Sirius. Was uh, don't don't expect Jeff Okuda to play like the number three overall pick in the draft. Do expect him to play like a, a starting cornerback. And I don't think you're going to be disappointed in that. If you're expecting him to be this lockdown island corner, yeah, you're going to be pissed off at him because he's not that. Yeah. But if you're expecting him to be a solid starting cornerback. I, I think you got a pretty good shot at making that this year. And I'll tell you one of the things about you talking about the overthinking piece. The thing that would have made that even better, right? Because it's improved over time. The thing that would have made that better and maybe even erased it would have been time on the field. The injury and, and frankly, the old coaching staff. And I, I mean, you can blame them all you want, but the injury really, really screwed him out of that kind of game time that's going to get him out of his head and allow him to be more react and and uh, react and, and move around him using his instincts, all that stuff. And it's just, I think you're going to continue to see Okuda improve this season as long as he gets the play time. Um, you're going to see that. And I think you'll see that starting to go away, that kind of overthinking. I'm going to, I'm going to put a game eight out there where if he plays end to end on the first eight games, you're going to see that kind of go away and you're going to see the Jeff Okuda that you're going to get whatever that is, right? You're going to see the the player that Jeff Okuda is going to become because he's right at that top of that maturation cycle. And I think this is for a cornerback. And I think this is, this is the spot where he can make up for some of those lost games and you'll, you'll see what you really have there. Sweet. Well, right. thanks guys. Yeah, no problem, call. Thank you, man. Thank you for calling brother. All right. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. Good. One good more question. Qu- I like it when we get callers that ask good questions. Yeah, yeah. Good. We got another one. And this one I can answer because this is where I was. Jeff, Chris, do you think the Eagles are taking the Lions for granted as an automatic W? Um, sports radio in Philadelphia sure is. Now, I got, there's the other thing. Sports yes, radio yes, in Philadelphia. <laughs> sports radio in Philadelphia is about 100 times better than sports radio in Detroit. 
I, I was I was I was really like impressed with what they were doing comparatively, but yeah. I mean, as I'm sitting there, listen, they're, 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 yeah, their their predictions across the board. 11 wins, win the division. That's who we are. And they're going to start week one with the win. Um, they, they talk a little bit about the Lions and, you know, you got to generate some interest. So there's like, well, what do you think about? But there's no question in their minds that uh, the Lions are a W in week one. Yeah, and I, I was in Philly um, the week before last. I was at my son to the University of Pennsylvania for a basketball camp. It went very well, by the way. Uh, and I, we, we call some Philly sports radio. I actually, uh, I have the same suitcase that Chris does. That was my, my bag. I carried it through the hotel and that wound up striking up a conversation in an elevator. That's awesome, <laughs> and he's like, y'all are going to be better. Right. And I'm like, yeah, they're going to be good. It's like, and Philly's still kicking your ass week one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. They make good cheese steaks. Or please. They, they are. They have yeah, questions they're, about their they're, defense, they're bordering on overconfident. I will say this though. And I, I've said this a couple of times. They are Philadelphia is the worst possible matchup for the Detroit Lions in terms of X's and O's they're going to see all year because what they do well specifically attacks where the biggest questions on the Lions are. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I I don't expect last year's game. I think it's going to be close. Um, I might be convinced to throw a couple of bucks on the, on the spread maybe with the Lions, but if if they can win that game, um, oh, man, (laughs) the pants are not coming on for a while. They're physically (laughs) incapable of buckling up. Oh, man. I just had this feeling of like uh, I was going to be walking around with any pants on. Me too. Me too, coach. Me too. Um, yeah, no, I they, they have questions of defense. And their question is, yeah, individual pieces are nice, but are they going to be able to play together? That was a big question that they had. And they felt like they didn't do that well last year. And they're concerned that they haven't made the changes they need to this year. But that's where they are. And that's uh, that's the space. Uh, Chrome. Uh, I, I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan. I think he's going to have a great year. Uh, and yeah. I like they're high on Jalen. And they're the issue. The issue for the Lions is that Philly's offensive line is one of the very few that has an argument to be in the conversation with the Lions line for the best in the league. And uh, that's that's a tough test for Aiden Hutchinson right off the bat. Charles Harris, um, the youngsters in the middle. Um, and I'll tell you what, they get out to the second level and engage linebackers and safeties in in space better than any other offensive line. And that's going to be a problem for the Lions. Yep. All right. Really- Not to jump ahead on a preview or anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into hard knocks a little bit. Thank you. G burger card show for the subscribe. Uh, anyone out there, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. That's free, easy. And it's a great way to help uh, get folks to find the show. Help us out. We appreciate when you do that. And uh, it means a lot to us. It really does. We'll, we'll swoon over thoughts of you. Hey, color. What's your name? How much have you had to drink? This is Jesse Miller, sir. Hey, Jesse. Jesse, do you think it's in everybody's best hey, interest? You to, do you think it's um, in everybody's best interest to like and subscribe right now? I would think so. I mean, if you didn't, why would you not? Right there, you go. Okay, go ahead, man. We'll, we'll keep you on there. What do you got for us? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and oh, and by the way, yeah, yeah, probably about fifty, give or take fifty. Give or take fifty. Yes. How many? Oh, sorry. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Yeah, 50 or give or take 50. 50. Got, so, it, got it, Right around there. I know it's a big range, but you can kind of just guess. Okay, okay. Um, no, I actually had this this question earlier, but um, I was just wondering, so Aubrey Pleasant, I really feel like he's going to, he's going up the rank like quickly, almost to the point where he's kind of even teeter-tottering between the point where he could next year, because Aaron Glenn's going to be hot on, everyone's going to want Aaron Glenn next year, in my opinion. 
he's going to be out of, out of Detroit. Aubrey has a decision to make between, hey, I can either take over the defensive coordinator job over Detroit, or other people actually might even want to, like, oh, my gosh, this guy's amazing. We're going to put him in a head coaching job, and he might actually have that kind of decision to make. There's just a lot of stuff on the table when it comes to coaching, and it saddens me, but at the same time, I'm kind of thrilled because it's like, hey, when you've got that good of coaches and they're that wanted, that's a good thing, and you're getting your coaches or your players coached up or whatever and all that. I mean, we haven't had that in many years, so you get that going. It's awesome, but at the same time, you have to almost guarantee you're going to lose some coaches, which kind of stinks, and so you wonder, okay, who is coming up next in the ranks? Are they still going to be able to hold that, uh, you know, high integrity on how you play defense and go with that? Or are we going to dip next year? You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I know I'm looking way ahead on this, but. No, I, yeah, no, no. I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a shot first with. I mean, I don't know that Aaron Glenn is going at the end of this year. I think that's a that's I. I, I mean, there's there's potential, of oh, course, wow. but I mean, you have to win eight games, nine games, I think, and and with the linebackers we have, some of the questions hmm. at safety. He may not be. I mean, we love him, right? And we see what's happening here, but he may not be that big mm-hmm. hot commodity in the NFL. He's hot. He's big. He's a perfect fit for this coaching staff here. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Aaron Glenn. I feel like we've got this year and probably next year with him if the trajectory holds that I think will hold with his team. And then after next year, he is absolutely popping uh, to the to his next uh, to his next promotion. My two cents, Riz. What do you think? I think I. I, I think he's going to be a hotter candidate than, than you do, but I, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll play it forward a little bit there. I think Deuce Staley is gone. No question about it. Agree. And you can't, because he's an assistant head coach and that, and Dan treats him like an, that's not a job title. Like that's not something that's ceremonially on Deuce's plate. Like he's, he's legitimately doing head coaching things just as Dan did in new Orleans under Sean Payton. Like they're grooming that. So that title is going to be open, and that can be a way that you can keep Aaron Glenn for another year. It's like you're the defensive coordinator and the assistant head coach, and that will like eliminate any doubt in, in anybody's mind because he's gotten head coaching interviews before. Um, from what I understand, Denver liked him a lot, but they kind of already had their mind made up. And like, like, uh, look, Deuce, Deuce absolutely deserves it. I, I, I have no, no doubt whatsoever that Deuce Staley will be an NFL head coach next year. Aaron Glenn, I, I agree. I, I think he's probably going to be gone, but if he's not, that's a way that they can keep him for at least another year. But uh, in terms of like like his his succession line, that that's a good problem to worry about. Um, and I will worry about it when when when, when I need to. But before then, I like I can't. Like, so many things have to happen right that, that that haven't ever happened right in Detroit before that I, I can't. I can't process that yet. I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> right. All right. Hey, Jess, thanks, thanks for the call, man. Thanks a lot for taking it. All right. Let's see, bro. Awesome. Awesome. 
That's a good question. We got good callers today, Chris. I like this. The very, very best. All right. Let's uh, let's get into Hard Knocks. Really quick, don't forget about Fantasy Football. It is live right now. You get to August 31st. That's the cutoff to sign up. Draft day, September 4th. Go to fantasy.detroitlionspodcast.com. Win some cash prizes. We got some merch. One third of every league wins a prize. One third of everyone in every league wins a prize. It's a, it's a really good deal. Fantasy.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Get in before the 31st of August and uh, play along with uh, with me and the boys and gals. Sorry. All right, there we go. Let's get into Hard Knocks. Okay, so first off, watching the show this week, Riz, I thought it was really funny. It was like a quarter of the way through and uh, you, you, they, they were talking, but you, you had to have the, the the volume up a little bit. They were they were talking about baseball. There's a couple of the coaching staff talking about baseball, and it was like I said, it wasn't the the main audio. Did you? Hear, I mean, they were they were talking about the Expos. I missed that. Oh yeah, they're talking. About, I watched it. Um, were, I got up. They were talking um, about I, when I, I didn't Expos, get home. I didn't get home in time on Tuesday night to watch, so I watched it Wednesday morning, and were, uh, I missed I missed that part of it. Right wrecks the whole thing they're talking about when i expose these nuts thank you very much <laughs> i'm gonna take it. i ain't I'm no fool anyway i'm gonna do it anyway all right so let's get a couple quotes out of the show it was good and then i want to talk my about mama them. didn't raise no dummies <laughs> 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 raised a talker all right i want to go to the, the first part the opening part of the show um this this one was great this is like campbell you want to know that he's listening to the detroit lions podcast all you have to do is watch yourself some hard knocks i wanted some fucking pants but i didn't have pants this is all i had in my locker <laughs> he didn't even have pants in his locker he is a big time. Got it. All right. So there you go. Uh, Dan Campbell, he did a, a really uh, interesting thing about the loss in game one. And he pulled out a pair of pants that were all dirty and full of, you know, uh, mud and muck and everything else. And um, he, he, was, he was like shaking them and saying, you got to get rid of all of this old stuff from before. You got to win. You got to get your pants clean. You got to have a clean mindset. You can't be carrying around all this old dirt and all this old stuff that's been from being down on the ground. You've got to knock it clean and get going and get rid of all the anchors of the past in order to make your way to the playoffs, to you know uh, a division championship, to the Super Bowl. You can't win those until you shake the the, the dirt from the past. And it was it's pretty interesting way of of going about it, but. Um, you know, he did it again, literally as a tribute to the show. So we've got to play it one more time. I wanted some fucking pants, but I didn't have pants. This is all I had in my locker. I just had this feeling of like uh, I was going to be walking around with any pants on. You've had enough of that shit. <laughs> I did mean, not hear that last one and not think of Dave Phil. <laughs> I know. It's so great. <laughs> Oh man, that was great. Okay, so with that, I'm gonna talk a little bit about Deuce. Deuce again had two great quotes uh talking to the team. The first one here, um well let's let let's leave it to Deuce to talk to us. They got their fucking teeth pulled this week and their ass kicked at the same time. <laughs> got their teeth pulled this week and their ass kicked at the same time. These guys come up with some good ones, man. God, it's not like they're scripting it. All right, and then from there. He took that and uh, he he brought us to this. Who gives a fuck? We the lions and we hunt. That's right. <laughs> we the lions. We're lions and we, hunt. and we hunt. I like that. My guy. I mean, he was doing the deucisms are right up there with the Campbellisms, 
and he he at the at training camp he spoke to the 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 crowd that came on day one on the Lions Loyal first open training camp. And it was the same thing. It was it was great. He the same exact you know deuce is deuce, and, and it's the one thing I think through and through with this team that um, that honesty, that integrity. They are who they truly are. Uh, they're genuine people. Um, they're sincere people, and they don't change by those audiences. And that's one of the things that Deuce carries with him everywhere. It was great. It was great to watch Deuce this this episode. He did a good job. Um. And then Deuce, yeah, Deuce losing his voice this week was great. I didn't, I didn't grab any of those pieces, but uh, he had a couple rants. <laughs> it's great. I love, I love me some Deuce Staley, and um, it's good. Uh, okay, so we have another one. This one's, this one's good. It's the end of the game, end of the Colts game. It's uh, twenty-seven to twenty, I believe, at this point. And uh, they catch Campbell walking down the sidelines with this. I would love a fucking three and out. Or a turnover. If anybody gets a punch out here, they can fly the plane home themselves. They can literally pilot the fucking plane. <laughs> punch the ball out, you can fly the plane. <laughs> that was him. He was walking down the sideline during the game on the headset when he said that. <laughs> My, tell me he isn't a passionate coach. Tell me he doesn't have passion for the game. And, and tell me that that's not like if you were in that situation, what you would be thinking. Like, yeah. I think that's one of the allures is that Dan, yes, he's a very accomplished football player and has the resume, but he talks like he's hanging out with us. And that's there's there's an appeal to that. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was that was really something. All right, Hard Knocks, great episode. You, you want to watch it, and then we're going to revisit something because there's a couple things that have tied together um, since last week and this week. One of the things a lot of people were talking about, you know, hey, Ben Johnson, he's he's not on Hard Knocks. All the coaches we're seeing, all the coaches, he's not on there. And in yesterday's presser, he had a great quote. Um, he acted, and I'm telling you, he acted. He acted first like he was stunned that he wasn't on hard knocks. And then he said, yeah, I typically fly under the radar. Tell me, tell me Riz that this was not absolutely planned as part of They're keeping Ben off the air. This is, this is their little, you know, like they show you the draft room after the draft and what on, what went on there. This is exactly the same kind of holding on to what's going on and what they're doing. I mean, in the same uh, press conference, they talked about it being vanilla. He's like, what? It's vanilla, right? I mean, Johnson's got a great personality. He's a freaking smart dude, but this is a uh, strategic advantage, a comparative advantage. I think that they believe they have to keep him out of the spotlight and his conversations out of the spotlight, because this is something that's they have no film of what Ben Johnson's going to do with the, with the offense. I mean, you don't, you, you, you didn't see his playbook. You said, saw, uh, AGs last year, or, or yeah. Uh, A-Lins. Anthony, A-Lins, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Aylins. Why am I thinking AG Aylins, uh, playbook last year. And then an evolution of that. Right. But you didn't see the ground up Ben Johnson working with Jared Goff playbook. This is something no one has film on. No one knows. And I understand how they see that as a, uh, as a strategic advantage. I think there's probably a little of that going on. I also think that he's not as sexy as Deuce or sexy in terms of like football viewership. Like if I'm a national, 
And, and I, I got to stress this again, because this, this is something that has continually come up. This is a national football show. It is not a Detroit Lions show. It is a national show for a national audience. They are picking out what they think people elsewhere care about, not what you do in Detroit. If, if you, you got it, you just got to accept that, that they're not going to necessarily show the things that you as a Lions fan might want them to focus on. That's what the behind the den thing is for. If that's what you want, the Lions in-house stuff is phenomenal at that. They do a great job with it. Watch that. Hard Knocks is, is presenting it for a national point of view. Um, so I found out last week, like they're, they're trying to get my 78-year-old dad in, in Cleveland to watch. They, they don't care. It, they know you're going to watch in Detroit. They're working on everything else. So uh, you're going to have to get over that if you're disappointed in hard knocks because they're they're not focusing on the Okuda versus Will Harris battle or they're not showing you, you know, some of the position battles or what's going on. Like, that's not what that show is about. That's not what they're trying to do. <laughs> that, that's, that's what the Lions show does. That's what we do for you. Uh, that, you you got you to gotta respect that for what it is. Back to the Ben thing, like, he's just not – he doesn't sell the way that Aaron Glenn does or – or do Staley, mm. or you know they got to get Rodrigo screen time. They got to get Jamal screen time. Like they got to get Dan his screen time. Like there's only so much that they can cram into what is it, fifty two minutes, fifty two thirty, something like that. Yeah. Like the, the, there's only so many things that they can do there. So uh, and it, like Aiden Hutchinson is a bigger deal. Um, I, I think you're going to see. I think in the next episode, um, I've been quietly told that you might see something a little bit more on Jared Davis and his quest to remake the Lions, which isn't going well. Uh, that, 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 that's going to be one of the stories that I think you're going to see in week four of Hard Knocks. So that, that, there, there's very limited things. Do, the, the Lions do have veto power over it. Chris, you brought that up last week. Would they use that for Ben Johnson? Maybe. 100%. That's plausible. Ben, ben is a different kind. Ben, ben is a different kind of um, exciting or fun to watch than, than Deuce or AG. But Ben is absolutely hilarious. He's he has got a sharp wit. I I I, yes. I am certain. I am a hundred percent certain that it is purposely blocked by the Lions. I am a hundred percent certain. A person would want to know. I am a hundred percent certain that the Lions are not letting Ben on TV, uh, and he's okay with that too. So there's that. Um, Amon Ross' father was all over Aylin's incompetence that way before he and he was that way before he was relieved of his duties. That cat knew, hundred percent, he knew. Um, we were talking. I wasn't. I was with Colin. He was talking to him at uh, at SoFi against the Rams, and his dad was all over it. And we knew. We told you, right? We well, we told the Slack. If you're in the Slack, and that's you know, Patreon.com/slash Detroit Lions Podcast, five bucks a month will get you in the Slack. We told everyone three weeks before. That Aylin was was going to be gone. We told you who was taking over. We told you who the next offensive coordinator was going to be at the end of November. We, you know, whatever. Um, this is, yeah, right here, Stephen David. Ben just might be our secret weapon. I'm going to tell you he is. And how that plays out, we'll see. We will see how that plays out. But um, he is absolutely uh, a hip fire. He's a, he's a, a, a hook from the hip. He's a surprise like punch that. that people aren't seeing coming. Okay. Uh, Kurt, I want that animation. If you do that, I would absolutely put on the show. I would, I, if you please hit me on Twitter or, you know, you can, there's a contact form on DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Let me know. I, I, I'd love to share that on the show and, uh, and, uh, and kind of roll that out with you. That would be a lot of fun. 
Um, let's see. Um, moving on. Let's see. Want to talk about? We got Hard Knocks, SeatbeltGang.com, Jerry Jacobs raising some money, helping out some charities in Detroit. Get on over. There's some great merch over there. SeatbeltGang.com. Get your stuff. Jerry's coming back soon. Yeah. Don't you worry. It'll be some good stuff. Um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is the part I think, Kevin. This is right in line with uh, what's happening in the Lions uh, having that veto power. They put this down early on on the Ben Johnson, and they had to start the, the storylines early. Thank you, William Leach, for the subscription. Um, they started the storylines. You know, they, if you notice, the storylines have carried from week one. They started building those before week one and knew that that's what they were going to follow. Introducing Jared Davis as a storyline is one that they're going to add, but it's all new at that point, right? Um, they knew beforehand, and they knew, okay, we're going to go with the NFL players and their personalities and their interactions as the storylines, the coaching staff. It fits real well. It's a natural fit with with Dan Campbell and his style. And um, Ben, not being a former player, you don't have to show him. I mean, that just helps – with the storyline, and they don't have to kind of make him fit, and it's easy, easy, easy. So, agree with that. Um, let's see. And on twelve and five, I love that. Goff might be the perfect replacement for Stafford. I, you know what? The one thing I'll tell you, I don't think anybody stepping in for Stafford was in a good place. How do you follow that, right? How do you follow Matthew Stafford? I'll tell you what, though, and I've said this a couple times, Goff wins a playoff game, you have a really convoluted question to answer about who was better between Stafford and Goff. Because if he wins a playoff game, you could just point to that and say, you want a playoff game, right? Obviously convoluted. Not that, more that's another it. one of those hypotheticals where I need to, like, I'm not going to worry about that until I have to. <laughs> <laughs> How awesome is Dan Campbell to watch? <sighs> Unbelievable. It's great. I, I will say that that seeing him in practice and how he handles himself in practice, um, I, I see him a little less cartoony, if that's a word, than a lot of, because like when, when you're watching him in practice, I do see shades of other coaches that I've covered. Uh, I, I see a little bit of Jim Schwartz, actually, in terms of how he gets on players and reinforces points. Um, I, I've seen some Mike Vrabel. I've seen some Romeo Cronell. I, I, I've seen a little bit of Bill O'Brien from time to time uh, in terms of like, it doesn't necessarily come across. So Dan is a very big stickler for doing everything right technically. And if you don't, he's going to get on you or have his the position coach get on you to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, how you're supposed to be doing it. That's a very big thing for Dan Campbell that I don't necessarily think comes across, but if you're at practice, you kind of see that more. And uh, that that I think that makes us who who are on the on the daily beat a little bit more um, take it a little bit differently um, mm-hmm. than the I mean we, we still love the sound bites I I love so so when I'm in the media room and I get over there um, and during the season I've already cleared this with my wife I'll be over the two days a week um, and I sit next to Mike O'Hara in the front row of the I, I sit in the uh, the slouching chair actually um, nobody else will sit there so I sit there. <laughs> And Dan looks at Mike because Mike has the respect. Like if Mike has a question to ask, Mike gets asked a question. Yeah. So he's looking like right, like right at me. <laughs> and uh, the, the the respect with which he considers questions, I think, is something like uh, Jim Caldwell absolutely wanted nothing to do with the media. Like he he would have he would, if you could tell him that he never had to talk to the media again, he would be the happiest man in the world. Matt Patricia tolerated it to a point, 
but he he liked football questions. Like, ask me about like like the 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 you know something's technical on football, and he'll talk your ear off, and it'll be great. Mm-hmm. Ask him about like what's going on so much. And Dan Dan's like insightful. Like he's trying to give you like legitimate answers. And I think from my point of view. That's like the best thing about Dan Campbell is that you're going to get like unfiltered answers. Like they asked him, we asked him the other day. Um, I, I want to say it was Kyle Mikey who asked, will you consider bringing in another quarterback? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. And then he's like, oh yeah, we got to consider that with every other position. But yeah, we're, we're looking at quarterbacks. Like if, if we're not happy with what we got, we're, we're not going to hesitate to look outside it. Like Matt Patricia would have filibustered that for 15 minutes. Jim yeah. Colbert would have been like, no. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and a question. Yeah. Like, and I, I love that about Dan. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me see really quick. I'm thinking about you were talking about Jared Davis. Did you see him in the room with a pudding? Yes. Pudding. These nuts in your mouth. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it. I knew my pudding. By the way, vanilla pudding, the best pudding. I cannot. This is the best. I'm, I mean, just wait. When we start taking calls in the post game show, I'm going to spend all day putting these nuts in their mouths. I'm telling you. <laughs> when do you get these nuts as a sponsor? Oh my god! Yeah, meat snacks. Yeah, th- th- there is actually a what a natural nuts. fit. There is actually a D's yeah. nuts place. Yeah. All right. Yeah. With that, I think we got a good one. Um, don't forget cbd.detroitlionspodcast.com. But the big one is go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Get over there. As little as $5 a month gets you insider information, the back room information <laughs> about what's going on. And uh, with the Lions, what we find out and some of the things that we can't share. It's a great place. And it's a great community of great people. I call it the most intelligent Lions chat on the internet for a real reason, because it is an amazing group of people. So check it out and um, get rid of that user. Uh, go over there, patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Okay. Um, also, go to the Twitter, you know, that place where all the love and excitement is, twitter.com. I'll go to at, follow at Detroit Lions podcast, D E T Lions podcast, D E T Lions podcast, and Jeff Risen, as you see spelled out right there. Two of the best follows you'll have on Twitter. And I mean, you'll be sitting there like us. I wanted some fucking pants, but I didn't have pants. This is all I had in my locker. I just had this feeling of like uh, I was going to be walking around without any pants on. There you go. On Twitter at DET Lions Podcast. That's me and at Jeff Risden, which is guess. Uh, give us a call via Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast, all one word, Detroit Lions Podcast. Or call us on the Lions line at 929-33-LIONS. It's 929-335-4667. Be sure to go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast because what happens when you do that, Riz? What do we do? automatically. That's right. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time with the Detroit Lions podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, and no problems because we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. Thank you all for checking us out. See you Wednesday. Final seconds winding down, and look at that. How big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. You've had enough of that shit.